Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. The city life, Heading out to Blackberry Tree now Hey, the dusty mud stuck in our head Uncle Harry got a Honey fell well, she really don't care Hey, Mum, I can just taste your... Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Keep Left... In the studio is John Lafferty. Morning, everybody. And myself, Chris Gaffney. And at 10.30, we'll have your callbacks. Now, you're going to start with a, a note about the demonstration you went to yesterday. Uh, yes, there John. was... Um, yeah, well, OK, where am I We're here? You know, just, just let me get these papers right, OK? And I was just going to speak a little bit about demonstration yesterday, and that was the one, yeah, defend and extend public housing. So, uh, yeah, there's a new campaign, and it's kicking off. It kicked off yesterday. And it's called Defend and Extend Public Housing. It's being coordinated by PIBSI, which is the uh, Public Interest Before Corporate Interests group. And uh, it also has the endorsement of two other groups. Uh, one is the Friends of Public Housing, and the other is the Wednesday Action Group. Now, a flyer has been put out, which I read from it last week, but I'll just, I'll just read from it again. We understand the Victorian Labour Cabinet has just endorsed a decision to privatise 70% of Victoria's public housing stock. Under the guise of improving community, social and affordable housing in Victoria, they have agreed to transfer the management and ownership of the majority of public housing to community, social and affordable housing groups that are privately owned and run. The transfer of taxpayer-funded public housing to non-government organisations deals a death blow to the idea that access to affordable housing for all Australians who require it is primarily a state and federal government responsibility. Now, there has been some conjecture over the 70% figure. It's a very, very high figure. It is. Um, if that is to be, you know, there's a lot of nuances here. There's a lot of stuff, which, and I, I try to look into it to see exactly sort of like where that's coming from and what it's all about. Uh, but at this stage, this is what is being, uh, is being put forward. Anyway, it's a very important issue. And if you're interested in, uh, you know, I went to, the, I had a look at it, the rally yesterday. Uh, a few people were speaking there. A lot of people were speaking, actually. Nearly everyone, I think, was there. But uh, if you, if you, so you, Long you, rally, wasn't it? You, you get a Guernsey if you turn up, Chris. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested in joining the campaign, there will be rallies coming up. And uh, these are public rallies on the steps of the Victorian State Parliament from 11.30 until whenever, about 1.30. The next one coming up is uh, Thursday, the 17th of November. So it's a good cause. All right. Uh, I might look at, have a little look at uh, an article by Robert Fisk, who's well-respected commentator on um, Middle Eastern affairs. And uh, you know, of course, the situation in Syria at the moment, where the Syrian army, that the army of the dictator Assad and his Hezbollah and Iranian allies 
are preparing for a mass surge of ISIS fighters who will be driven out of Iraq when Mosul falls. Now, the real purpose behind the US planned liberation of the Iraqi city, city uh, at least this is what the Syrians suspect, is to swamp Syria with hordes of IS fighters who will flee their Iraqi capital, Mosul, in favour of their mini-capital of Raqqa, which is actually inside Syria. The Western media are trying to persuade the, uh, the situation in Mosul is almost Stalingraded. Mm. There will be a long, drawn-out, Stalingrad-style battle to the death. But the Syrians don't believe this because after the sudden collapse of Palmyra, when the, their army took the ancient city, ISIS simply abandoned Mosul and tried to reach safety in the areas of Syria to which it still controls. Already Syrian army intelligence has heard of disturbing reports of a demand by ISIS in the towns and villages south of Asaka, which is a Syrian city held by the regime forces and Kurds in the north of the country, for new electricity and water supplies to be installed for an influx of ISIS fighters from Mosul. In other words, if Mosul falls, the entire ISIS caliphate Muslim army could be directed against the Assad government and its allies, which is, of course, exactly what Washington would want. Now, I don't think, despite the fact that they actually killed some 63 Assad troops, the Americans who they're bombing, I don't think they necessarily want Assad to fall. What they want is to weaken him, contain him and make him subject to American domination. When the Iraqi city of Fallujah fell to the Iraqi army and militia forces earlier this year, many ISIS fighters fled at once to Syria. Sayed Hassan Nasrallah, the Hezbollah leader, uh, said in a speech that, quote, it intends to repeat the Fallujah plot when they open the way for ISIS to escape towards eastern Syria and warn that the same deceitful plan may be carried out in Mosul. The newly appointed US commander in the region, Lieutenant General Stephen Townsend, heading what the US presumptively called Operation Inherent Resolve, has said that not only Mosul, but the Syrian city of Raqqa could be captured on my watch. But who did he actually think was going to capture Raqqa? The Syrian army still intends to fight on to Raqqa from its base and the Damascus-Aleppo military road west of the city. Russia apparently preferred to concentrate its firepower on other militias, especially Nusra al-Qaeda, which, which both Moscow and Damascus now regard as more dangerous than ISIS. All of which were established or helped to be founded by the United States. Okay, now the United States has largely lost control of its proxies. But these people, if you watch them, they're driving US-applied trucks and firing with US weapons. Both the Damascus and the Russians have noticed how Nusra, which is El Nusra, the, the group which is derived from Al-Qaeda, oh, now changed its name to... Uh, Jabhat Fatah al-Sham, which means the support front for the people of the Levant. This is in order to disguise its al-Qaeda roots, and it's increasingly been referred to by Western journalists as the rebels, mm. which is designed to give the impiction that these are Syrian rebels fighting against the very dictatorial rule 
of Assad. And, um, but in fact, it covers a many, many sins. Rebels include some very nasty extremist Muslim elements. An American, unidentified American general was quoted last month expressing his concern that Iraqi Shia forces might seize the town of Tal Afar on the Iraqi-Syrian border in order to trap ISIS fighters in Iraq and thus prevent their flight from Syria. Now, the United States is concerned about that because if it's on Iraqi territory, it's their problem. If they shut them across the border, then it's Russia's problem and Assad's problem. And also, it, it helps to damage people with whom the United States are fighting. The US-based Military Times has argued that General Townsend, who has only 5,000 American troops on the ground in Iraq and the far north of Syria, must pursue ISIS into Syria, where the, ally, the US has few allies on the ground. And that's the problem with the American thing, is that <coughs> they don't have the intelligence on the ground. And even in some areas, I don't know how many there are, of where the Free Syria Army operated, and it seemed not to be dominated by Muslim extremists, when the Americans arrived in their town, which was reported about three weeks ago, they told the Americans to bugger off. Go away, crusaders. And there was a demonstration street against the Americans. They don't have a base amongst the people. He also refers, uh, the, the, the general also referred to the siege of Mosul. Well, the Syrians don't believe this because they think at the first sign of this, the ISIS army will leave. Assad's own army, which has had 65,000 fatalities in a war that's now lasted five years, has already been bombed by the Americans at a cost of 60 dead. Washington said this was a mistake, but is now, uh, he suggested if Iraqi forces are not defeated, ISIS forces are not defeated by the Iraqis themselves in Mosul, then the Iraqis, presumably the Iraq Shia militia, will be obliged to move to eastern Syria in order to fight the terrorist group. So that's what's going on. Given the possibility that Syrian troops and their rationalised may have to confront this same group, it's little wonder that they are bombing the bejesus out of Aleppo, which is, a, uh, of course, is a, is a crime against the ordinary people. The whole war is, the whole five years has been a crime against the Syrian people. Um, but the Russians are... Uh, uh, going for hell for leather in Aleppo because they know that America is going to ensure that the ISIS forces from Mosul stream into Iraq so they want to free their hands to deal with them. So it's an extremely complex uh, scenario. I've got a few questions. Yes. Can I, I'll just ask some of them. Uh, you know, when I saw there was going to be this big attack on Mosul and, the, you know, the broadcast that, like, yep. it's going to be another Stalingrad, mm-hmm. um, I thought that it was, re- I thought it was Obama administration, you know, really partly at least, wanting to get Hillary Clinton over the line in the presidential election. At least that was part of right. it, as is the uh, persuasion, if you want, persuasion by the US on Ecuador to cut off Julian Assange's internet connection. You know, this is, right. that is obviously to help her, you know, to get over the line. So that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's one question I yeah, would ask. Yeah. Well, I don't know the answer to that, but that's a good question. Yeah. Is there, well, I think the timing, consider yeah. they haven't really done anything for years. They have been, you know, arming ISIS and Al-Qaeda. I mean, going back decades, going back yes, to Afghanistan, right. you know. Yeah. And the Russians did come in, nearly two years ago now, and did, it's about Bomb. 18 months ago. ISIS, so they did do that. And, uh, you know, if you notice the Hillary Clinton, at least in two of the debates, she's claiming it's the US fighting ISIS 
Whereas Russia, they're fighting these people known as the rebels. Yes, well, of course. You know? <laughs> the same people, but they don't, you know. El yes, Nusra so, is as evil, yeah. supported principally by Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And, of course, the United States has armed a lot of these people through proxies, not mm. actually directly, but sometimes through Saudi Arabia or it comes through Turkey. Mm. But um, so I, I'm, I'm led to believe, and largely based on comments made by John Kerry himself, that there is a dispute within the US government over whether or not they even want to get rid of Assad. Like you're saying, you don't believe that they want to get rid of him. Well, I, I, think think it's, I, think, I agree with you. I, th- I think it's not clear. Mm. It's but not they, clear. they say they do. Well, yes, they, well, for a while they did say they do, but it's quite possible that they've changed their minds because they have seen what happens. I mean, they've lost control in Iraq. Mm. They and they got lost, rid of Saddam. They got rid of Saddam and they produced chaos mm. and they can't control it. Likewise in Libya. I mean, there's extremist Muslim militias, basically groups of them uh, running parts of, of Libya. Now, <coughs> so they don't necessarily want that, but at the same time, they don't want Assad there as a Russian ally. <coughs> so they want to really get... They, want they, to would get like a, they would like him there, weak, and under American dominance. And they don't want the Russians to have that base that they've got. No, that's right. Okay. And, and, it, and also, I, like, like you, I watched... I assume some people here did. I watched the debate on uh, between Clinton yes, and, and Trump. And Clinton resorted to the... It's the Russians. It's the Russians. The Russians are behind Trump. And not only that, the Russians are behind Trump. Yeah. Oh, they're behind everything, apparently. That's right. Everything, but that's like bad, it, you know. It reminded, me, it reminded me of the good old blame the commies. Yeah. Blame the Reds day. You know. Yeah, well, it's been pumped up, and it's been really pumped up with the British, too, you know. Mm. Um, what's his name? Boris. Boris yeah, Johnson, Johnson, who's yeah. got a bit of Russian in his background, but Boris. 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 Ed Johnson. <laughs> the British thought, why did they make him the Foreign Secretary? I don't know, maybe to make a total fool of himself, yeah. to then get him out of the way. I think maybe this was uh, the plan of the British government. But he's very, very uh, strong against Russia. But then again, when he got that job at first, he was asked the question, will you be tough enough on Putin? Oh, As if right. this is something you have to so be. The qualifications, yes. yes qualifications. Yes, yes. But I think it's fair. It is fair uh, to ask. Um, and because you, you were mentioning the Free Syrian Army, mm-hmm. right? Um, not wanting the Americans to come in. You know, they were going to do it themselves. I think you, I know the answer. But are there genuine rebels against Assad? And and and, and how many? And and, just, and are any any This was, is the big problem. Support. I mean, the people, the people like Socialist Alternative and people that we know, are arguing that the rebels are these free-loving Democrats, sort of something like us fighting against the awful Russians and Assad. Imperial. If it were yeah. true, it would be great. Mm. But the only trouble with that view is that it completely discounts or ignores ISIS, El Nusra, Al Qaeda, etc plus the scheming of the Americans, plus the American proxies, Saudi Arabia and Turkey and Qatar. Now, you know, the the simple-minded scenario of the Syrian rebels are good guys rebelling against Assad, who's a bastard, you know, I think that train left quite a while ago. And at the same time, the people who argue that, they say it started because the Arab Spring in 2011, uh, the Assad crushed it ruthlessly. No question. But then they're arguing that the people that he crushed in 2011 are still there vibrantly fighting the Russians. And you say, you can't have it both ways. Yeah, but Either Assad wiped out <clears throat> the uh, secular rebels, which is what... And we know that Assad 
put all his attention onto the uh, the the secular rebels in two thousand and nine. With the uh, he didn't go for the uh, the Muslim extremists. Mm-hmm. He used them to eliminate secular challenges to his regime. Yeah, and that having Al Qaeda, having Al Qaeda there w- was a way in which he could justify it. Well, yeah, we've got to remember that Assad and his father, Hafez al-Assad, I mean, this has gone back 40-plus years Mm -hmm. that these guys have been in power, and they've had plenty of time to round up, to jail, to kill off their secular, secular, progressive Well, they did it in a massive way in 2011. Yeah, so, you know, they've had plenty of practice. So where are these secular forces today? This is what I would love. If someone could show me a massive secular army... I'd be in there supporting him, but there's no sign of them. Yeah, but I don't want to be, I don't think we should be too, I'm just saying, yeah, 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 we yeah. shouldn't be too pessimistic. We shouldn't be too defeatist that there cannot be, or there is no, at least in Syria, some people who I are. keep hoping. I yes. keep hoping. Yeah, yeah you know, so, you know, so I, I wouldn't want to say, no, they don't <laughs> exist. No, well, yeah. I don't think, the trouble is we <laughs> don't know. I'm looking for a sign of it, and I mm. keep asking the people who support the, you know, there's only two villains where and they're Russian. They? Where are they? Yeah. Where are they? And yeah. if you can show that they're putting up a fight, we'll support them against Assad and that. But mm. it, it looks that all the people fighting against Assad and Russians seem to be yeah. ISIS, El Nusra, whom you wouldn't want to win. And that they, they are cat's paws for the yeah. Americans. There are an awful lot of groups, though. I mean, I saw a list of groups. And well, it's, it's 20 like, groups. The Syrian oh, Free Army 50, is twenty, at least 20 groups, probably more by oh, Just now. within the, the Free Army. Just within yeah. the so-called Syrian Free Army. It's not yeah. a secular force, which is what they like to present. It's mm. a mixture of 20 parties, some good and some absolutely disgusting, sure. I would expect. Sure. Anyway, I was going to speak a little bit about Bumibol Adulia Dej. The King of Thailand. Oh, right. <laughs> and so uh, the King of Thailand... Be you know, respectful. That, that guy, be respectful, please. Mm-hmm. That guy died last week after a reign of over 70 years. Thailand nowadays is effectively run by the military, and it has been decreed that the people of that country must observe a full one year of mourning for the dead king. Now, the country has to go through the whole charade of bringing in a new monarch because the military junta has declared that Thailand must always have a monarch. The crown prince and the heir to the throne is Maja Vajira Longkorn, kind of like a Thai version of England's Prince Charles. I was going to say the parallels of this. <laughs> Charles is going to be senior. A senior citizen if he ever gets there. I think Charlie's about, he born in 1948, so Charlie would be 68. Yeah, yeah, and so Vegeta Longcorn, he he he's just behind Charlie, but actually he makes Charlie look good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Charlie's reportedly reportedly Charles smokes pot and talks to trees, but Vegeta Longcorn is apparently even dumber than that. Despite the fact he's sixty four years old and he's been brought up to perform only actually one job, yeah, yeah, which yeah, he of hasn't even begun yet. That's right, <laughs> <laughs> doing his apprenticeship <laughs> to finish uh, that of king. He now says that he isn't actually ready for the job. So it may actually be true, be true that he is incapable, incapable of even operating as a figurehead, you know, like get your face on the coin yeah, 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 and yeah, all yeah, that yeah. sort of stuff. One report, actually, no, he, he admitted to it himself. He actually said that he can't tie up his own shoelaces. Well, why would you need to? That's you right. <laughs> he does have an excuse because he doesn't need to because... In he doesn't the, wear shoes. No, well, no, he doesn't sometimes. Yeah. He turned up at a German airport one time. He was wearing fake tattoos and a kind of little uh, 
a halter top or a bra. Really? You know? yeah. yeah. And then uh, and he turned <laughs> out and he took us he took a salute from the uh, from the military. It's quite funny. Maybe maybe he's a great guy. Maybe he's actually uh, making fun of the whole thing. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, possibly it's the reason he can't tie his own shoelaces is because in the royal court he's never had to tie That's his exactly shoelaces. That's exactly my point. Yeah. <laughs> he has a royal shoelace tie. But we often hear that Thailand's monarch, seriously though, we often hear that Thailand's monarch is revered by his people. And no doubt many Thais have been brainwashed from an early age to, uh, you know, to do this, to mm. revere the monarch, and so they do. Still, if this institution really is so popular, you'd have to wonder why the country has laws where a person can be jailed. I've seen that it's actually, I've seen a few times, it's actually up to 30 years for merely criticising the institution. In, in recent years, there's actually, I saw the figures of this, and it's gone from hundreds to get into well over a 1,000 per year. There has been a dramatic increase in the amount of people convicted of this supposed crime. Following the king's death, attacks on dissenters have become widespread. In one case, a 19-year-old boy in the city of Chonburi was alleged to have posted online comments, alleged, online comments critical of the royal family. The boy's employer called in a vigilante mob to turn up to the boy's house, and the boy was forced to bow down before a picture of the dead king. As he did so, he was repeatedly kicked in the head by the mob. Well, police just stood by, uh, you know, approving, probably. Right, right. In another incident, you can see this on YouTube, it's horrible. In another incident, which was videotaped and posted online, a young woman was forced by a baying mob to bow down before a picture of the dead king, then made to prostrate herself on the ground in what is, you know, they say, is a show of remorse. I don't think she has any sign to sh- need to show remorse if she's uh, guilty of this so-called crime. I think she's a very brave woman. Well, it's <laughs> an intelligent woman. Outrageous. Thailand's military junta, headed by General Prayut Chanochar, is well known for targeting local journalists who question their role. At present, you know, because there's a lot of obviously uh, worldwide attention on what's going on there now. Mm-hmm, yeah. At present, it's not just locals who the royalists are targeting. A BBC journalist was attacked for not being respectful enough in his reporting of the story. An online blogger from the yellow shirt side of politics, which tend towards royalism, told their followers, Heckle him, make him uncomfortable, make him look bad. So while the uh, Crown Prince decides on whether or not he's up for the job, the establishment is called upon the head of the Privy Council to fill in as a makeshift king. Have you heard about this block? Yeah, I've heard about that, yeah. (laughs) The head of the Privy Council. Mm -hmm. He's certainly got experience. The head of the Privy Council, this almost makes the Saudis look, you know, up with the times. But the head of the Privy Council is 96 years old. Right, right, yes. Yes, yes. 96 (laughs) years old, and he's the guy who's been called in to do the job. Uh, So, you know, look, I think it's... uh, There was actually a a thing... uh, I didn't actually see the uh, programme, and and you can't see it on YouTube because it's been taken down, but there was a Channel 10 comedy show called Have You Been Paying Attention? Apparently they made some mockery of the whole... No more. Yeah, yeah, very, yeah. very, very ridiculous uh, thing. Mm. And uh, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's there to be ridiculed. And uh, the Thai embassy here in Australia uh, sent a letter. Oh, got upset you know, you're, you're, you know, you're showing cultural insensitivity. Is the way they put it. You right, put, right. Yeah, you're not like showing cultural insensitivity. Yeah, yeah. And what did Channel Ten do? 
took it down, I bet. Rolled over. Yeah. <laughs> Rolled yeah. over. In these days of political correctness, and you know, they rolled right over and, uh, and took it down, which is a great pity. I think it's hard not to ridicule the monarchy, especially the Thai monarchy, and uh, we should ridicule them, them, and we should get rid of them. Indeed. Indeed. Well, over the seven-day period this month, five Australian workers were killed in a series of shocking incidents in construction and transport. And initial reports suggested these fatalities were avoidable. On October the 6th, Ashley Morris, 35, and Humberto Lete, 55, were crushed between two nine-tonne concrete slabs while working in a construction pit on a $37 million development in Brisbane. The union revealed that the two walk- workers had walked off uh, about safety concerns before the incident. One rep- worker reportedly says, someone's going to die here. The primary contractor, Brisbane Brace Criscon, has refused to comment on the deaths. Unsafe conditions in the construction industry were further laid bare on October the 10th. Marianka Hyman, 27, died when she fell 60 metres down a ventilation shaft from the 15th storey in a luxury apartment constructions. She was applying silicon to ceilings. She finished the job for the day, but returned when she was told there was a small area she'd missed. Hanson construction manager Jerry Hanson told the media each new worker gets a safety induction before they start on the site. But one of Human's uh, co-workers told reporters that while the German worker was a careful worker, many times they <coughs> said, we worked without protection. Meanwhile, the industrial safety dog WorkSafe reported it received five complaints about safety on the project since construction commenced in late 2005 and issued two improvement notices to the company. In 2008, Hansen Construction was fined 174000 by the Federal Court over its treatment of overseas workers in relation to pay and conditions and was found guilty of 21 breaches of the Workplace Act. Hyman's death reignited questions about inadequacies in training and induction of inexperienced backpackers and young workers in one of the country's most dangerous industries. Anybody can get a white card to work on a building site just by paying a small fee and completing a short online course. Police investigating the crash said they found evidence of poor fatigue management by AK Cake Group after searching the company's premises and reviewing drivers' logs. This is after two truck drivers were killed on October the 6th. More workers die in the transport, postal and warehousing section than in any other industry. Safety work figures show that 48 out of the 184 workplace deaths in Australia last year were in this sector. Only agriculture, fishing and forestry has a comparable toll. With increasing cutthroat competition for contracts, transport companies want to slash costs by cutting back on vehicle maintenance and putting pressure on drivers to meet shorter delivery deadlines, leading to fatigue, speeding and the overloading of trucks. These conditions are becoming the norm. In a 2015 survey of more than a 1,000 trucking businesses by the Safe Work Australia, 20% of them admitted that they broke safety rules to complete work on time. 20% of them agreed that they, quote, consider minor incidents a normal part of daily work. So far this year, there's been 132 industry-related deaths in Australia. Of these, 42 in transport, postal and warehousing section, 
and 21 in the construction industries. These deaths, many of which are preventable, are an indictment of the capitalist system and its political servants who put profits above the lives of ordinary working people. Successive governments, Liberal and Labor, have backed corporate restructuring and deregulated safety, including cutting spending on regulation and sharply reducing the number of safety inspectors. And the unions really are complicit in a lot of this, with some notable exceptions. For decades, they've worked to contain opposition by workers to the relentless elimination of jobs, the removal of safety practices, the imposition of longer shifts and around-the-clock working, all in the name of making employers competitive. The ongoing workplace deaths, which are a scandal, are a deadly consequence of this process. All right, now it's, we haven't got time to do another topic. It's 10.28. It's your chance to ring up, have your say on any topic, whether we've talked about it or not, whether you agree with us or not. The number to ring is 94190155. Do you think Trump can get up? Uh, I don't think so. No? I don't think so. Um, what, uh, what? It was depressing, really. It's pathetic. He's when, pathetic. She, I mean, when she spoke, it was cliché and lies. When he spoke, it was embarrassment and lies. What a choice. He's got all this ammunition he could use against her, but he ain't the guy to do it. No, that's yeah, right, exactly. I mean, why isn't he hopping into her for her... <sighs> The fact that she's a spokesperson for the financial aristocracy in the United you States. Shout at the TV. Say, say this, say that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Get onto her world record. <laughs> Get onto world record. Think, <laughs> list all the people she's killed in you Iraq see, and elsewhere. You see, that's from a left-wing point of view, and he doesn't. No, of course. Yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> he, of course. He's on about abortion and, and guns. I, and, and he sort of did uh, the first time when they had that debate. I was saying to myself, watching this. And they were saying, oh, he has paid no tax. Well, of course he hasn't paid any tax. But under whose rules was he able to get away with that? You've been listening to Keep Left, and you've been listening to John Lafferty. Yeah, goodbye, everybody. And myself, Chris Gaffney. And we'll see you in a week's time. Stay tuned. Thanks to Jan for, for staffing the phones. And uh, as I say, we'll see you in a week's time. Till then, bye-bye.